for everything oh, for everything indie for everything cults it's the blue horseshoe now. now here's your host george bremer and ryan hickey and welcome into the blue horseshoe podcast ryan hickey and george bremer here with you as always it is game week colts vikings coming up here on saturday we will give you our thoughts on that game we also discuss a potential rumor of a next Colts quarterback. There's some odds out there saying that maybe this quarterback, a big-time name, if he does leave his current team, could end up in Indy next week or next year. I should say we'll get to that as well. But we figured instead of breaking down Colts-Vikings in a game most of you don't care about, let's start looking ahead towards the future. Let's start trying to talk about maybe the Colts actually finding their next long-term quarterback. And so we bring on Eric Adam, who does a tremendous job at NFL Media doing not only NFL, but NFL drafts up as well. So, Eric, we really do appreciate you uh, giving us a few minutes here. Welcome to the Blue Horseshoe Pod. Thank you for having me, and uh, happy uh, early holiday wishes to all you guys and all the listeners out there. Hope you guys will uh, uh, be have a safe and uh, fun holiday that, uh, I don't know, maybe includes a few more losses, better draft position, and uh, somehow <laughs> yeah. more cap space. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of what you guys might want for Christmas, you know? I was just going to say, well, I think if you good. give Colts fans four losses, they'll take that right now. It's like, forget <laughs> right. Cole in the stock, and that's like uh, – the biggest present you could get outside of a quarterback. If you're going to tank, which... just tank all the way, right? I mean, they don't don't half-ass this stuff, right? 4-12-1 and one sounds a lot, a lot better than 8-8-1, eight, eight, and one, that is for sure. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> so for Colts fans wanting a quarterback this offseason, a lot of them and all of us have been starving for one for the last few years. Yeah. So the guy, obviously, everyone circles in this draft class coming up is Bryce Young. And so for me being an optimist, Eric, I am still hopeful there's a pass for the Colts to get Bryce Young, and that is this. The Texans, being the Texans, maybe find some sort of flaw with Bryce Young. Say, ah, oh, you know, we'll, we'll try Will Levis or anything Richardson, anyone about Bryce Young. And the Colts maybe, uh, you know, could trade with the Bears if they get the number two overpick, kind of pave a way to get number two and get Bryce Young. Sure, yeah. Is there anything in your mind kind of early scouting-wise for Bryce Young that would give the Texans pause about maybe skipping over him at number one or maybe even gives you pause about him kind of being the best quarterback in this draft class? Yeah, absolutely. There is. And, and I, I'm consider me a fan. Like I, I, you know, getting to watch him last year during the Heisman uh, campaign. And then this year as well, you, you see a lot of creativity. He's clearly a thinker. Um, there was a reason why he was, you know, I believe the highest rated quarterback in his recruiting class, or certainly one of the top ones. And, um, you know, he doesn't really fit the modern mold of quarterback in this, in one sense, which is not, he's not really a scrambler. Can he do it? Yes. He's excellent at avoiding pressure, and there was a lot of it the last couple of years. Alabama's offensive line wasn't as good as it as it has been in the past, but um, you know he doesn't often use it to do more than you know, say Joe Burrow, or even a little less. I, I, but the biggest concern, I think, uh, they kind of go hand in hand, are the size. I think he's going to measure in around five ten and a half, hundred ninety pounds, something like that. That's just a ballpark guess. Um, and if you're not Kyler Murray. You know, you better be Drew Brees, right? So that's kind of the, the the question there. The second issue, again, which is sort of related, is the shoulder issue that he suffered this season and, and played through and admirably um, kind of holding this team together with, with his late-game brilliance and, and, you know, his his processing speed and, you know, being able to make lemons out of – or lemonade out of lemons, I should say. But the shoulder does worry me, and, and if it doesn't pass medical muster, then you have an issue then the Texans may veer off of him and say, hey, do, do we trust a, a, a slot receiver-sized quarterback to hold up, you know, behind a line that gave up nine sacks in a game this year? I mean, you know, whatever. I'm not the Colts, but, you know, the, the Texans. So, you know, there, there's questions about him. But 
I, I love the way he approaches the game and the way he thinks his way through games. I think uh, the shoulder thing just makes me cringe right away. I hear that <laughs> sure. attached to the quarterback right now, and I just can't. PTSD, I guess. Um, <laughs> but I wonder, from my own eyes, I, I see a little bit of Sean Watson when, when I see Bryce Young. I, is that a crazy comparison? It, as a thrower and a quarterback, absolutely not. I mean, I don't think he's going to be able to scramble the way Deshaun did, you know, obviously in his college career and early in his NFL career. And uh, But – yeah, I mean, I think there's there's some overlap there. I mean, what you know, what always excited me about Watson was that he was willing to take chances. You know, and that that the offense that he ran at Clemson, while maybe simplistic in some ways, also kind of played to his strengths. And you know, he had great talent there, but also, you know, I think we probably looking back made a little too much out of his senior season interception total. And, and if you went back and watched some of those, you said. I put that on the receiver or that that's a questionable play call with this coverage, whatever. There were a handful of reasons why he wasn't uh, maybe responsible for all of those. So yeah, I mean, throwing wise, I could see some of the similarities body wise, a little smaller, but not terribly, you know, I mean, they're, they're very thinly built kind of guys. Deshaun's just a little taller, but yeah, I mean, I could see that outside of the, the running element of his game. What's your take on CJ Stroud there, Eric? He's, I think, presuming the number two guy in this draft class. Mm-hmm. He struggles sometimes in some of the bigger games. What are your thoughts so far on CJ Stroud? Yeah, he's great if he doesn't have to play in uh, the the Northwestern rain game. <laughs> uh, that was uh, that was an interesting watch uh, or wind and whatever they had that day. Uh, no, he. I, I think CJ is is a pocket quarterback who thrives when conditions are you know, as close to ideal as you, as you can have them. That's my biggest worry for, for me is that when things kind of broke down, when there, when there was uh, pressure, when, uh, you know, a receiver fell down, when, you know, when anything kind of went off script, I didn't see the same kind of creativity and, you know, sort of think on the fly uh, ability that, that young did, um, and to a lesser degree that Will Levis and Anthony Richardson and some of the other quarterbacks did. Uh, but I think some of that can be kind of programmed in a little. Um, it does it does worry you. It doesn't necessarily have to be an intrinsic trait in a quarterback, but it certainly needs to be developed. And, you know, if you put him with the right kind of offensive mind that asks him to do the things that he's really good at, I think he could be highly successful. The guy that I keep kind of coming back to as a comp is Jared Goff. And look, you know, obviously Goff's sort of been up and down in his career and had some high moments and followed by some low ones. And Sean McVay moved on from him. And, you know, there's some some stigma that goes with him. But look at the season he's having. Look from about week, you know, I don't know, 12 or so last year till now. And you see a good quarterback, a functional guy who – you know, throws with rhythm, throws with timing, puts the ball largely where it needs to be. Uh, when, but you know, when when the weapons are not there, is he going to win games for you? Probably not. So that's kind of what I'm left with. And of course, Goff was the number one pick. So, you know, would he go there in a redraft? I don't know. I'd have to look. But that's there's always he leaves me wanting a little bit more. But I also feel like the floor is relatively high for Stroud. I don't know that he'll ever he'll be a colossal flop. I just think that he may not be a superstar. That's I guess how I look at it right now. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think that uh, I guess the thing here in India is he'd have perfect weather conditions at least right. half the year. <laughs> uh, so there'll be one a one bonus for him. Uh, will Levis seems like he's kind of on the rise. You just hear his name a lot these days. What do you think about about him and and? 
how much do you factor in kind of raising a program like Kentucky that he's been a part of? Yeah. And I mean, I really appreciate what, what Stoops has done there and, and, you know, the, the kind of offense they've built there and you know, obviously heavy use of the run game. They've had, you know, big funk, you know, functional run blocking offensive linemen there, you know, multiple runners, um, you know, some talent receiver, but, it, but it's a lot of it is sort of scheme driven and, and quarterback driven too. I mean, Levis was asked to do a lot. Some of the things that he wasn't ever asked to do in his, in his brief time at Penn state. Um, but when you got to see him, especially 2021, I thought the tape looked better. The stats are better. You know, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that I'm terribly down on him, but I have questions, you know, I mean, the, 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 the first loss of the year, a couple of crucial time, you know, fumbles yeah. that were at the worst times possible. Um, you know, some of the games where he couldn't put opponents away. Um, he also took a beating this year, too. I mean, that's one thing that I think that requires some context. There were a few games, I think the Missouri game in particular, where, you know, you saw him kind of dragging himself back out every single time they got the ball. And you thought, you know, I, he's he's really a tough kid. I think that's a it gets lost a little bit in the sense that, you know, it's sort of like with Josh Allen, right? I don't know that we recognize just how tough he was until he got in the NFL and started trucking people. Now, I don't necessarily think Will Levis is Josh Allen, but is there a poor man's version of that that he could become? Sure. Yeah, I think so. He's He's got good arm talent. I don't know that he has a howitzer, but he's got a strong enough arm, I think, to throw and, and thrive in this league. He's a big kid who's, like you said, we know he can take a hit. He can evade hits. He can run uh, pretty effective as a design runner and as a scrambler. Wouldn't say he's ever going to be a massive threat in that regard, but it's a part of his game. Um, but the inconsistencies do kind of worry me a little bit. You know, I'd love to have a situation where, you know, I, I counted on one more year of my quarterback uh, and I had the pick necessary to take him. And I think that would be the ideal team. But then again, a, a team like the Colts would probably look at him and say, Maybe we're willing to do with him what the Bills are willing to do with Allen, which is work through some of the issues and let him figure it out on the field. You know, and by year two, year three, you're going to see something potentially really special. Will Levis has been a name, Eric, that's been mocked at least early on so far. The Colts a lot. And yeah. for at least some of them I've seen, like he's the second quarterback off the board. You're right, there's inconsistencies. It's a little frustrating that, you know, it just it doesn't put it all together like uh, too often of a time. If the Colts do, let's just say, pick seven or five, whatever it is, and Bryce Young is the only quarterback off the board, would you have right now Will Levis as your number two guy overall, or would you have someone else there? Yeah, I haven't obviously finalized all that. Uh, I've just been starting to make calls on some of these guys and in, in, in the last two or three weeks is what I would say. Uh, and opinions are split. I mean, there are some people who really love Bryce Young, and there are others who have the questions Excuse me, that I brought up. Um, there are some people who think Levis is the best quarterback in this draft. And, you know, their teams, I, people that I trust that I don't think they're just giving me a, a line to overinflate uh, a prospect, which is I'm sure happened in the past, but knowing where it came from, knowing that those teams, particular quarterback interests, not being all that high and knowing where they're likely going to pick in the draft. I don't, I don't think there's a reason to think that they're just, you know, selling me a, a line here or whatever. So I would say I wouldn't be shocked if Stroud ends up below number two in my final rankings, but there's something to be said about a, a reliable quantity. 
a quality, you know, I mean, I think he's got right. something about him that's dependable enough to where you feel like you're not going to get a, a bust per se, but I don't know. I, I, you know, Anthony Richardson really is the, the, the wild card here because he's absolutely screams first round traits, but you know, you're going to have to live with some, some misfired passes and, and some, some stuff that he's going to have to grow with on the fly. I think. I was going to ask about Richardson because I know, you know, he is the wild card, but there's another name that, that hasn't yet declared for the draft is, is kind of, uh, I've heard his name a lot on Twitter lately, Washington state's quarterback Cameron Ward. Yeah. What, what do you know about him and, and where do you think he would fall if he does decide to go pro? Yeah. I, you know, I love the story. I mean, you know, came from, from incarnate word and, you know, Washington state, we've had, uh, a few quarterbacks there, Luke Falk and, and uh, Gardner Minshew and stuff back in the, the leech days, rest in peace, uh, Mike. But, um, you know, Ward, you know, obviously in this transfer port portal era, I think has really helped himself by, you know, by getting to to move to a bigger stage. And, and he's had some impressive games this year. I mean, you know, again, toolsy has the athletic ability, can sling it all over the place. It's not a big guy, but there's there's something there that really is fascinating. Uh, you know, he did have the late fumble, I guess, against, I think against Washington. I'm trying to remember the game now, but um, kind of a thickly built kid. I mean, if you saw him and didn't know what position he played, maybe you'd guess uh, strong safety, weak side linebacker, running back, that kind of, you know, for, for a college level guy. But So not massive, but thickly built, I think, which is, is going to help him out. And dual threat guy, you know, I think is did enough this year that if he came out, he wouldn't be in a bad position. Um, you know, I'd love to see him go back and, and potentially work himself. I think he's got one more year, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong, but um, yeah, I would say his, you know, you combine what he did at the FCS level and then, and then also what he, he did this season, you know, still a little bit of an enigma, uh, but, but somebody that absolutely I'm excited to kind of see uh, on this stage eventually, whether it's this year or next. Going back to Anthony Richardson, Eric, I know it's early. Is it fair to kind of characterize him as maybe the Trey Lance of this draft where you kind of mentioned like he has some first round traits and you watch him, whether it's his running ability, whether it's just his build, his arm, like there is a lot where it's like, wow, this could be the guy, but also whether it's decision-making, whether it's inaccuracy, like it's very, it's all or nothing almost. It feels like at times, is this kind of like a, a you know, a wild card, if you will, like you mentioned that word before where it's like, it could be, he could be maybe the best quarterback in this draft. He also could be the worst and could be out of league in like three years. Is that fair to characterize like where it's like that big of a gap? Yeah, I think, I think, I don't know that I go quite that strong, but yeah, I mean, that, that's, I think it fits into that, that, that slot pretty well. I mean, you, that's a, that's a pretty interesting comp. Now, obviously he's playing in the SEC versus, right. you know, FCS level, but yeah, yeah. I, I know exactly what you're saying. Physically blessed, not a ton of experience, right? I mean, here's a guy I think who's thrown, I wouldn't, I don't even think 400 college passes. I don't know what the number is, but it's, you know, it's under that. I believe it's in the three hundreds or something like that. Um, yeah. I mean, Lance, you know, you, you probably can't compare their stats, but they have very similar games in the sense that quality runners who that part of their game, I think is in great shape right now. Um, the ball security does worry me a little bit with, with Richardson. I mean, he's thrown a, a decent number of interceptions uh, and also fumbles uh, as a runner guy who gets exposed to some hits and things like that. Again, you know, I, I, I remember watching the opener against Utah, you know, first class defense and thinking, 
wow, sky's the limit. You know, this is exciting. And then the next week he goes head to head against Levis and lays an egg. He didn't play well. There's, there was, you know, you kept waiting for that, that one big play that, and so he is streaky. Um, I think he had a bad game the, the week after that. Oh, I forget who they played. Uh, man, I can, I watched the tape too. I got a, a USF or somebody like that. Um, and then remarkably played better against Tennessee. You know, it's just, mm -hmm. it's, it's frustrating a little bit, but at the same time, a hundred percent can understand why, why people would be infatuated with them. You know, they just, you just don't build, you know, physical specimens quite like this every day. And, and, you know, again, even more of an example of what I said with Levis, which is perfect world. If you had somebody who could start now and, uh, you know, kind of, kind of ease him in over time. Remember, you know, Jalen hurts got some series along the way until he took over. It was a week. 13 or so or whatever it was in his rookie year that might be kind of the path for for Richardson where he gets some exposure in regular season games plays a ton in the preseason and then you make a decision late in his rookie year hey do we do we want to get him out there so yeah I, I he throws it so nicely at times but also leaves you wanting more uh, and the turnovers are something that NFL teams are going to harp on last one for me sticking in the SEC uh, Hendon Hooker obviously was having a breakout season. Then you get the knee injury. I know there's concerns with his age. Yeah. Is he a guy that, you know, what round, I guess, would you feel comfortable taking a risk with, with him? Yeah, age, system, which I think helps inflate. Again, I'm not trying to take anything away from him. I just think that, you know, what what Heupel's done there is is has to be factored in. And he's not going to get those kind of free looks all day. And then also the injury on top of it. So those are, you know, three big question marks but man the way he played the the last two years has been pretty unbelievable having watched him at virginia tech i had some friends who were on staff there and you know i can tell you that he wasn't playing at that level then and and i didn't ever see him reaching that level so it speaks to the idea that you could still grow at ages 23 and 24 and 25 as a quarterback like let's let's not forget about that so i Depending if he gets clean medicals, I think day two is reasonable for sure. You know, I don't know if it's kind of in that, you know, sort of Desmond Ritter range last year. And last year was a little funky at quarterback. But, yeah, I mean, I think that's fair to say that the injury has, has hurt him. The age was was going to be an issue for some teams. And the the system kind of at least puts in context what he did. And, and you know, you may have to question that a little bit, but – uh, he threw with confidence, ran when he needed to. I mean, there was there was just so much to like about his game this the last two years, really. To finish up, Eric, you mentioned a point that's interesting before about you know some of the guys that are pro ready are not pro ready. The Colts are an interesting spot where Matt Ryan is under contract for next season. So let's say the Colts, if they are to draft a quarterback in the first round, it's not Bryce Young. Is there anyone else you think could step in and be a day one starter, or for the most part, whoever it is, are they best served sitting behind Matt Ryan and kind of having at least for the most part of next year? have Matt Ryan kind of run it back and be the starter for the Colts. So you're saying, is there anybody else in this draft class who, who could, yes, sorry. Yeah. I just want to make sure I, you didn't start talking about, uh, you know, some free agent or whatever, but, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I, obviously I think Colts fans are going to be anxious to see what the plan is at quarterback. Right. And, and if, and let's say they do decide, all right, one more year with Matt and he'll, he'll be ready to, to hand off to a rookie or something like that you know, obviously the longer it goes without them drafting one, if they decide round one, they, they don't have their guy there. 
you know, round two, they're questioning Hooker or what I think Hooker would be a good fit in Indy, but of of guys we didn't mention, you know, you'd probably have to go down a little bit farther down the list to the point where I think Colts fans may be saying, What what are we doing? Is this just a, a moratorium in the first three rounds on drafting quarterbacks here? Like, can we can we take one early? Are we allowed to? But yeah, Jay Kaner's a late guy that I like a lot. Yeah. I mean, he was more last year than this year, but still he's undersized, but I like his moxie and he's a you know, he's a fun story. Um, and there are others, obviously, but yeah, it would it would be tough to get past that point of the guys we just mentioned and feel like you had somebody who was ready to come in as a starter. You know, like Grayson McCall transfers in the portal. Um, there are a few other quarterbacks who are gonna gonna run it back next year that could have considered coming out, didn't. But yeah, I think that's that's probably where we're at. I don't I don't know. I'd have to give it a little more thought, but right now more of the backup types or, or longer term development. Eric, we do appreciate the time. It's never too early to talk draft. So this is kind of a, a perfect primer to kind of get us going here. And what is going to be an off season just filled with questions and concerns and discussions about quarterbacks of the Colts. So thanks so much for kind of kicking it off here on the blue horseshoe pod. Uh, good times are coming. I, I promise you guys, they will be, <laughs> will be back. Thank you for having me. It was a great, it was a joy. And welcome back into the Blue Horseshoe Pod. Ryan Hickey and George Bremer here with you. Colts fans, you just heard some NFL draft talk. Don't worry, a lot more is coming down the pike. So in what is going to be a very busy offseason with quarterback conversations, with head coach discussions, make sure you're liking and downloading the Blue Horseshoe Pod. Make sure you get everything up to date uh, on all things Colts. So we do thank Eric for joining on here, George. And so just to kind of react to quickly what Eric was talking about, I think it's very interesting when you kind of hear like the pool outside of Bryce Young, there's a lot of questions about almost every quarterback out there. The more, at least I hear, and we'll dive into anything more specifically next week, Anthony Richardson, but the more I kind of hear the question of other quarterbacks, the more I think if you're the Colts, maybe it is worth taking the risk on a guy that could absolutely be the biggest bust in the first round and maybe of the entire draft in Richardson. But like, I liked his Josh Allen comparison um, where it's like a similar size build and set kind of similar sized um, stature where the games could be similar if, if Richards is able to kind of live up to, uh, to the hype. Yeah. You know, I, I always wonder one of the things Chris Ballard always talks about that I always thought was really intelligent uh, is, you know, when you draft in these guys, where you draft them is important so that there's a difference. If, if Richardson's the number five or number seven pick, wherever the Colts are, than if he's the number 17, just in terms of fans' expectations and in terms of, you know, what's expected of him from his teammates coming in. And so I think that'll be an interesting calculus in all this, too. Do you feel like you can take this guy where the Colts are going to be picking? I almost feel like if they had had the season you expected them to have, it might be a better spot to take Anthony Richardson down there towards the end of the first first round than, than now. Um, I'm biased, and I think I'm going to be for a while. I, I've made that clear at times before, but I – I'm still on the hit and hooker train. I, I really feel like if you can't get Bryce Young, take a flyer on hit and hooker in, in the second round and, and see how that works out for you. We talked to that and I love that plan because in that in that model, if everything obviously goes to according to plan, you should be able to get whether it's a left tackle, whether it's a receiver, a corner, defensive, like you should be able to get a key piece in that top seven, maybe top five pick to address a big time need. And then, like you said, get a quarterback in round two, maybe with Hennon Hooker, and you kind of are able to maybe address both positions, kind of kill two birds or one stone there in the first two rounds, which would be huge, or first three rounds even. You know, we'll see what Hennon Hooker's stock is look like uh, as we get closer to the draft. But I think also another interesting part, whether it's Hennon Hooker, whether it's Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, 
I think it's pretty obvious outside of Bryce Young, if, if the Colts aren't, aren't able to get him, which I'll tell you this, George, I will try my hardest. I'm already tweeting at the text on social media. I hope Cal McNair is looking because that's the one guy who would be able to screw it up and maybe get convinced into another quarterback. But if it's not Bryce Young, I think the Colts are best off next year running back on Matt Ryan and having this quarterback, whoever they draft, not sit the entire year. Um, but I think at least half the season, maybe sit and learn. And there's not, you know, many guys better to learn from them. Matt Ryan has been around the block, as we know, for this would be, I believe, year 16 for him next year. It's good. It's a great learning lesson if, if that is the plan. Yeah, and I, I would throw C.J. Shroud into that group, too. I, I'm 100% Same. with you. I think anybody outside of Bryce Young probably needs that that year to sit. And I think Eric, you know, really backed that up with, with a lot of what he was saying. Um, I think it'll be really interesting to see how this quarterback class shakes out. Like he was talking about, Levis seems to be the guy that's on the rise. There are some people who think he's the number one guy in this draft. I certainly hope Houston's thinking that way, and I encourage that thought from the Texans. Uh, I think Will Levis is definitely the biggest star in this draft. There's no question about it. They absolutely need to to go and, and not pass a guy like that up number one overall. Uh, but no, you know, I, I think outside of Bryce Young, that's why I keep going back to Hooker. If it's not Bryce Young, I think Cannon Hooker fits perfectly what you were talking about. He's not going to be ready anyway, probably till later in the year. Bring him in, let him go through the film, let him watch Matt Ryan, let him come back on his time. And maybe around this time next year, he could get in some short yardage packages, get some looks. And, and who knows, the season's gone this way again. Maybe he can even take over and start a few games late. But uh, I just that's sort of where my mind is right now. And I'm sure that will evolve as we start talking to people and taking a, a deeper look at this class. Absolutely. And I think it almost, in a way, too, eases the pressure a little bit because, again, you're not throwing them to the fire week one if you're not ready. Like, I'm a firm believer no matter who you pick, where you pick, if they're not ready to play, you can't just throw them out there and just sink or swim. you got to at least give them a, a chance to succeed, put them in a position to succeed. And I think that one of the best ways to do that is kind of, like I said, easing them in, allowing them to learn from Matt Ryan, maybe avoid one or two rookie bumps in the road by just watching and learning. And look, I mean – We've, I think at least, I'll speak for myself, I think next year this offensive line will be better. I think whether it's a new coach, whether it's just shaking off a bad year, it happens to, you know, even some of the best players in the NFL, you come back next year, refocus, ready to go. But there's no guarantee. Like, also don't feel comfortable throwing even Bryce Young week one. I wouldn't feel, I mean, I'd put him on the field. I wouldn't feel great about it. I'll say that. Put him on this offensive line where there's really not a guarantee that this is going to be better. You know? Yeah. So, like, it is a question mark still. So, you sit him. You have Matt Ryan kind of take some lumps and instill some wisdom. I think it could work out to whoever the Colts do draft. It could work to their benefit in the long run, which, again, next year you're not turning around, right? It's not going to be an Andrew Luck when he comes in year one in the playoffs. It's going to be a process. So if you treat it like that, I think that's the best and the fastest way for the Colts to kind of get back on track and be a playoff contender sooner rather than later is by kind of taking their time and giving the rookie, whoever it is, a chance to actually succeed in this offense. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I think the most important thing here is having a plan for whoever you take. I think that's number one. Right. You know, it, whoever it is, know what you're doing coming in. What offense are you going to run? How are you going to work to their strengths? That I think that's where people make mistakes. When you just go down the order and you say, okay, you know, this is the third quarterback on the board and we're just going to take him because the first two are gone. You have to have that, not just the conviction, but you have to know what you want to do. Who's coaching him? You know, what are you what are you emphasizing? What does he need to work on? How can you best, you know, use him? How can you highlight what he does best? And I think all those guys, Bryce Young included, that's the most important thing. You're going to take a quarterback in the first round, especially have a, a very clear, definitive plan 
Is he going to start right away? If he's not, what are you working on? You know, and so that when he gets in there, he hits the ground running. Couldn't agree more. I think you're hundred percent right. And it's, yeah, th- that's the big, and that's why this head coaching search is going to be so important for whoever the Colts do decide. Cause like I said, that's going to kind of be the first indication of which direction they possibly could go in. Cause like I said, certain coaches, like certain schemes and certain players, you're not going to draft a quarterback and try to make a, a square peg. And let's say, Will Levis, try to fit him into a round hole of, of Let's just say if I'm going to take the Jim Harbaugh offense, right? You got to make sure it's married. And like I said, it makes the most sense because again, when it comes to putting players in position to succeed, the offensive quarterback, you have to be on the same page. You need continuity there along with Chris Bowder as well, picking the players, you know, that fit what the head coach wants. It all has to be a marriage. It all has to work in concert. And that again, is part going with GM, head coach, quarterback, all having similar, you know, not values, but all fitting together nicely instead of just kind of, mismatching trying to force the quarterback into this certain system of an offense for a coach but he's working with this kind of players because that's what the gm likes it's you got to get on the same page that's the biggest thing the colts have to figure out we've been talking about that for a while so the last thing we'll say about the draft for now and we're going to do a lot of draft insight i believe every thursday on the blue horseshoe pod well now kind of since we did a general overview with eric edelm we're going to dive deep now george into some specific quarterbacks we believe anthony Richardson is our plan at least we'll confirm that on tuesday but at least right now our plan is to have you know a scout who has watched a lot of Anthony Richardson kind of come on next Thursday, kind of really get in the ins and outs of Richardson's draft stock. So be tuned for that, Colts fans. The last thing I'll say is this. We really don't ask for much. Right? Outside of just downloading and subscribing to the show, we haven't asked for anything else. I'm going to ask Colts fans for one thing here between now and the draft in April. Let's inundate. Let's flood the Texans with as much anti-Bryce Young, pro-Will Levis, pro-Anthony Richardson propaganda as you can find. I don't care if it's credible. I don't care if it's not credible. At this point, again, you, the Texans have lost all um, benefit of the doubt with, with some of their decision-making. I mean, they allowed a guy in Jack Easterby, who was a team pastor for the Patriots at one point, to basically rise up in power. So crazy things happen down there in Houston. Let's do our best to at least try to push them off Bryce Young and hope the best quarterback in the draft falls to the Colts, or at least they're in a position to be able to draft Bryce Young. So that's, that's all I'm going to ask. I've been doing it. I'm mean, tweeting the Texans now the last three, four weeks constantly. Anything I see, Will Levis. One GM says Will Levis is the best quarter. Boom. They're the Texans. Make sure they see that. Send it off. Inundate them with the tweets. Let them know Bryce is not the one you want. The He's Bryce is not right. Clearly too small. Clearly too small. Shoulder, shoulder injury. Too big of a question. Not mobile enough. Yeah. Out, He's smaller than things. me. And five, take I mean, five like 11 on everyone. Just 5'11", I think, is generous. 5'10 and a half. Oof, short. Yeah, too short. way too short. Uh, this will be a fun offseason. I, can, I just can't wait. This is going to be this is gonna be a very interesting one, to say the least. And speaking of which, let's just keep the chaos going here because it came out, um, according to Odd Checker yesterday on Wednesday, that there is a if the Colts don't draft a quarterback in the first round, there could be another option for him. Because Aaron Rodgers, right, quarterback of the Green Bay Packers right now, is under contract at least, but it's believed that maybe he could want to play somewhere else, getting frustrated with what has been a very down year for the Packers. They're going to miss the playoffs. According to Odds Checker, they said if Aaron Rodgers is not on the Packers next year, decides he wants to play but not in Green Bay, the odds on favor right now to land Aaron Rodgers, George, is the, the Colts. Smoke. The Colts. Let me ask you, would you, you know, want Aaron Rodgers? Pair him with Sean Payton, sure. You know, just go that way and go go all in for the 100%. All the chips in the middle of the table. 
Now Jim Mercer is finally <laughs> having his all chips in uh, mantra fulfilled. I, you know, it's one of those things that I kind of laughed when I saw it. Cause I thought, first of all, why would Aaron Rodgers want to come here? Like, uh, you know, what, what right now is better about the situation in Indy than what he went through in green Bay this year. Um, although, you know, I'm not sure what, what the landscape's going to look like either. That's, that's one of the interesting things, you know, we've been talking a lot about head coaching situations and where people want to go, what spot might be open where the quarterback situation's better. San Francisco is always going to be at the top of that list. I think that's the number one, uh, you know, destination. And obviously if, if he could get there or Tom Brady could get there, they would, I think, immediately become the favorites in the NFC, if not in the NFL. Um, but outside of that, is there really a team, you know, as I, as I think about it, outside of the 49ers, who are kind of the, the obvious answer, is there really a team where you say, well, if, if Aaron Rodgers went there, he would absolutely be in a better situation than he would be in Indianapolis? This is tough because the owner is so toxic. I think the commanders are in a position to, yep. to succeed where they do have a lot of talent offensively and defensively. Um, and the NFC is easier. I know you're, you know, he's in the NFC right now, but the NFC is, is objectively way easier to get the Super Bowl than it is the, the AFC for sure. I'm trying to think, like, because, like, look, the Colts, their defense is really good. The Colts rightfully so have have their reasons to be down, and they're 4-8-1 for a reason. I guess that's the thing with – I wouldn't want Aaron Rodgers because I just don't think right now at this point the Colts are a, a quarterback away from Super Bowl contention. And we're talking about yeah. Super Bowl contention in a two-year window. Not like, oh, you get the next decade open. You have time to build a roster. It's You get Aaron Rodgers. It's go time right now. You have, again, bare minimum two years or a maximum, I should say, two years of high-level play from Aaron Rodgers to figure it out. I just don't think the Colts would be able to capitalize that. Like, you, you got to potentially overhaul the offensive line. Like, again, we talked about it before about – I think they'll be better, but is that a guarantee? No. And when you're bringing Aaron Rodgers in, you, you don't want to leave anything a chance. So you think maybe overall the offensive line, you got to bring in at least one other receiver that's, you know, dependable outside of Michael Pittman Jr. That's that's been able to have sustained success. Defense, you're pretty much good. Again, you could use another edge rusher for sure, but there's not a lot of changes there. But it's I think it's too much to ask of the Colts to make a run and win the AFC, win the Super Bowl in such a short time where it's actually worth it. Yeah, that's the thing. I think – I agree with with 100% with everything you just said there. And I think that's the situation. I think most fans, probably most people listening to us right now, want to get off the quarterback carousel, get off the veteran quarterback carousel at least. You know, most people I think would prefer to, to bring in a young kid, you know, whether it's first-round pick, whether it's somebody like maybe a Cameron Ward or, or a Hinton Hooker a little bit later uh, in the draft, or if you could steal Anthony Richardson at the top of the second round if he falls through. You know, I think all of those options are better options than, like you said, one or two years of Aaron Rodgers and going through what you've seen the last five years here, trying to acclimate a new quarterback into a new scheme and now throwing in a new coaching staff. I just don't think it's the right idea right now. You're going to have a new head coach. Give him somebody he can grow with. Don't give him, you know, a quarterback who's going to be here for a year or two. It just doesn't make sense to me. And the sh I will say, the only thing I didn't think about that you mentioned that is intriguing that maybe changes my answer. It still doesn't, but it makes me double. It gives me a pause a little bit. If Sean Payton were to come to Indy, I don't know if Sean Payton would sign up for like a two-year run um, with just Aaron Rodgers and kind of see what happens from there. Like he retired from the Saints because they didn't have a quarterback and he just was like, screw this. I got no real future and kind of left. So I don't know if the same thing would happen where it's like two or three years in Indy and then he's out as well if, if things don't work out. But it's just, yeah, I'm, there's just too many questions and too many right now. Like I said, it's, it's another... It's crazy to say about a two-time reigning MVP, but it is just another Band-Aid where you look at a guy who just turned 39 years old. Like, And then here's another thing too, George. Like, Is he on the decline? Like, 
I can't answer that definitively, but because I think also this year has been, you know, there's been issues outside of just him. It's been the offensive line. It's been the receivers. But it's not like it's that much better in Indy. It's not like all of a sudden that you're, you know, where Tom Brady left New England and went to Tampa Bay and all of a sudden had this loads of talent on offense he didn't have in his last year in New England. Now all of a sudden everything's better. You're not really doing that in Green Bay. Like maybe there's a marginal upgrade because, you know, you get Jonathan Taylor, although Aaron Jones is a guy I like Aaron Jones. Um, and you can maybe say the, the offense sounds a little better, but Michael Pittman Jr. is really solid. He's probably the best receiver on either team, but the depth is comparable with the Packers and the Colts. So it's not like you said that much is changing from Green Bay to Indy, and you're going to a more difficult conference if you're Aaron Rodgers trying to win a Super Bowl and leaving the NFC to go to the AFC. I don't think it works for either side. No. No, it doesn't make sense to me. The only thing he could probably say is his division's more winnable. You know, if Tennessee continues to slide a little bit, uh, you could feel like you'd rather try to beat them than Minnesota right now, maybe. Um, that's about it. Or maybe Chicago and Detroit are on the rise more so than, you know, Houston and Jacksonville might be. Although Jacksonville looks to be kind of starting to turn things around a little bit too. So, I don't know. I just, it just doesn't make sense to me. I, I think really the Colts, again, you're going to have a new coaching staff. You're, you're starting fresh in a lot of ways. Uh, it's the perfect time to, to bring in a young quarterback into that group and let them grow along with whatever it is you're trying to do for the next era of this franchise. Without a doubt. And you got to think too, bare minimum, one first round pick, you got to give up like maybe two first and second. Yeah. I have no idea, but it's a heavy cost that the Colts really could use, like I said, young developmental players in those positions instead of getting up for a 39-year-old Band-Aid quarterback who has a two-year window and the Colts right now aren't primed to win a Super Bowl. And that, like I said, short two-year window. They'll win the division, maybe win a playoff game, but I don't think get to the ultimate prize that Aaron Rodgers is looking for in a very short uh, time frame. All right, before we get to the Vikings, uh, quick thoughts on Colts Vikings here on Saturday, George. Let's get into some interesting Jim Merce comments. He was there's a photograph on social media of him smoking a cigarette uh, on a golf cart at the owners' meetings in Houston uh, earlier this week. I always said look like a boss. That that was not something I was expecting from uh, from Jim Merce. That is for sure. But he also mentioned when it comes to the coaching search that, you know, he's basically going to kind of look everywhere, kind of over, you know, turn over every single rock, whether it's he mentioned some college coaches that are nice. He mentioned some unknown coaches. Is it? We joked about it on Tuesday, George. Should we start getting those Andrew Luck to the Colts head coach rumors cheering up? Because guess what? That unknown coach, I would say Andrew Luck falls in that bucket. I tell you, that, that's a little <laughs> scary. After after the whole Jeff Saturday situation, it's a little scary to hear him throwing out unknown coaches uh, just because it makes you wonder, like Dan Orlovsky on this list, you know, who who are his unknown coaches uh, that he's turning to? Philip Rivers, he's got the same experience level now as, oh. as Jeff Saturday. You know, is he ready to go? Uh, I think he wants to, to go and, and, and coach his sons a little bit longer there in Alabama. But, hey, you know, maybe you can convince him. Drew Brees is going to be the interim at Purdue for like three weeks. Maybe that's enough for him to be like, you know what? Come on down, uh, Drew. You have no connection to the franchise, but you're our next head coach. More experience than Jeff Saturday as well. So at that point, (laughs) we'll see. I don't know. It's that just scared me. I'll be quite honest with when I, when I heard unknown the college coaches, I mean, everyone's going to take that in one direction. Pretty obviously. Uh, I think everybody knows which college coach this team might be aiming for, but I thought, there's maybe some others trying to think I was going to write about that uh, for Thursday edition. So by the time you're listening to this should be up at haroldbolton.com. I trying to think of some other guys who might fit in the college ranks. And I thought one that came to mind right away was Ryan day, because we've talked about him a little bit here. 
a little bit of pressure on him in Columbus right now with back-to-back losses to his big rival. Maybe it's the right time for him to, to, to look for an out and go to the NFL. And maybe that's a situation where we've talked before about trading up to that number two pick. You have to have conviction with more than one guy. Maybe that's a situation where you tell Ryan Day you're going to trade up to number two and you're either getting Bryce Young or you're getting C.J. Stroud, who he knows and, and has a real history with. You know, I don't know. That's that's one possibility. Uh, another name that came to mind was Dabo Sweeney, uh, just with things sliding a little bit in Clemson. And maybe I don't think it's a very good chance, but maybe he's fed up with NIL and some of the things they have to deal with now as college coaches. You didn't have to deal with when Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson were dominating for him. You know, maybe he's a name that would 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 have some interest. I think it's a small percentage, but it's a name that I popped with. And then the wild card for me is Josh Heupel. He hasn't been at Tennessee long, but I think you've got sort of a profile that Lincoln Riley had early in his career where you've got a guy with an offense that's obviously innovative, that's really taking things by storm. So I think there's a little teeny chance there as well, uh, but maybe he's a guy, if you're looking outside the box, and we know Jim Irsay is not afraid to do that, that you maybe no. go Josh in the Josh Heupel direction. Here's a thought for you. Now, I'll be honest. I'm not the biggest Dabo Sweeney fan, so – there's a, I'm trying to be objective here. I, like this is going to come off a little biased, but I think I'm, I'm being uh, a little bit objective as well. I think he'd be a bigger disaster as head coach than Urban Meyer. And Urban Meyer was a nightmare. I mm-hmm. like, I just, that's a guy that I don't think jives in the NFL whatsoever. I think players would roll their eyes at his, all his sayings. There's a lot of BS you deal with in, in college for sure. There's also a lot of BS you deal with in the NFL, and you can't really mm-hmm. treat them like, like babies, like kind of Dabo kind of wants to try to do, uh, kind of controlling. Uh, that would be, I would be pissed. I'll be honest. It's Dabo. The one that's interesting, Josh Heupel is interesting. Because you know what? When Eric even talked about kind of Hendon Hooker a little bit in the offense, I'm like, would it be the craziest thing in the world if you draft Hendon Hooker and just look for how successful he was in the offense at Tennessee? Would you bring it to the NFL? Like, be interesting. It'd be interesting. Sort of I still have Jim Harbaugh number one, with, but you know, sort of what the Cardinals tried with the Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury thing. I know Murray didn't play for him, but that Kingsbury wanted him to. He recruited him. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It, w- it would be a very interesting look there. And I think Heupel's a guy that, like I said, I, I think he's in a situation now where maybe Lincoln Riley was when he first took over at Oklahoma. You know, where where there's a lot of people very intrigued by just the new ideas he has, the new thoughts that he has. Um, people, you know, when it was just UCF, you can kind of point it, well, the level, but now he's done it in the sec. So no NFL ties. And I think that's, you know, both him and Dabo, that would be a big concern. I think Ryan day, I want to say he had a cup of coffee as like a quarterback's coach somewhere, maybe the jets or the um, bears. I feel like I got to double check, but I feel like it's, or, or maybe the bears are interested in high, like, yeah, I think you're, he definitely did have like a year or two on the NFL staff. I think you're right about that. So there'd be at least a little bit there. And then obviously Harbaugh, you know, has has a really good track record with 49ers. And and I think is a guy that uh, if he does make it known that he wants to be back in the NFL, will be highly sought after during this this hiring cycle. But uh, it's hard to come up with co- college names. I mean, that's part of it. Like even Dabo, because I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I think there's a really good chance he's an Urban Meyer level disaster waiting to happen. It's really hard when you look around. I mean, Matt Campbell's name will probably come up again because it seems to all the time, but he's, he's kind of, I think the bloom's kind of off the rose there a little bit at, at a, 
Iowa State. I mean, maybe a guy like Sonny Dykes at, at TCU or Mark Stoops at Kentucky, program builder types. I, I don't know. Like, it's hard. For me, it's really hard to come up with, with candidates from the college ranks right now. One name I would have been intrigued by that I think took himself out of consideration just from the move he made was David Shaw. All right, David mm-hmm. Shaw, that's been another guy who's been a popular name thrown around. But I think him retiring from st- or stepping away from Stanford, I think is an unofficial retirement. The, the program has backslid the last few years anyway, so it's not like you know there's a lot of success to point to in recent time for him to kind of justify being the next head coach. But I do think him kind of stepping away, I think more signals, maybe he's a little bit done with coaching. I think maybe if he was to go to the NFL, almost like a, in a more GM sort of role, um, because they do bring him on. I think it's NFL. I believe it's NFL Network because it's the network he's on. Like draft, he's always on TV come draft time. He's always talking about you know prospects stuff like that. I could see him kind of coming to the NFL more in that role than a head coach. But that's been a name in recent years, at least. That's always kind of been talked about, and he'd be interesting because he's kind of. I mean, obviously he took over Jim Harbaugh at Stanford when Harbaugh left to go to the 49ers. But they're kind of like in that CEO role and mode. I think which could bode well for the NFL. But like I said, I think with him retiring or again, stepping away from Stanford, resigning is probably the word I should use that's proper here. I think it kind of takes him out of at least any sort of coaching in any sort of role in the immediate future. And obviously with the Colts looking for a head coach now, I don't think he's under consideration. But that would be one I would be intrigued by um, until that move was made. Yeah, no, I always thought about that, uh, especially when Andrew Luck was here, about David right. Shaw possibly coming in and, and, and rejoining him there. Um I don't know. Like I said, I think that goes, you know, you, you bringing up that name. I think it just goes to, to, to speak to the idea that I just don't see a lot of guys. I mean, not very many college coaches succeed anyway at the NFL level. And the ones that do almost all have some kind of previous NFL experience, either they played in the NFL like Mike Vrabel or they coach on an NFL staff, which he had also done, you know, as a defense coordinator in Houston. Um, it, it's really hard. I, I just think it's really tough to find anybody from the college ranks. Uh, and it, that's why, that comment kind of scared me. I mean, if Ursay's main, and, and he didn't point. say that that's his main focus, but if his main focus is college coaches and whatever unknown coaches means, uh, it's just, uh, to me, it's it's a little bit frightening. That's a good point because you are, I think we are seeing a separation now in coaching more than ever, where there's not a lot of blending between college and NFL and vice versa. NFL coaches going to college. Like you don't really see too much where college coaches stay in their lane, NFL coaches stay in their lane because it is so different and you've not seen a lot of success stories for the most part of coaches kind of intermingling either way. Like with the latest example, that was Matt Rule in Carolina. That was a, a disaster. I mean, he didn't make, you know, two and a half years on the job. And that was a guy who built up Temple, who built up Baylor. So had a good record of success in college, could not replicate, the, uh, replicate that in the NFL. I know he's, you know, not a recent NFL head coach, but Herm Edwards went to Arizona State. That was an utter disaster. Lovey Smith at Illinois, that was a disaster. So it's like you, I think you're right, where outside of Jim Harbaugh, there is Ryan Day. I would definitely be intrigued. Like I wouldn't hate it, but I'd have questions outside of those two names. Like, I don't think there's really a college coach out there. Cause like I said, the track record for success from college to NFL with no experience is basically zero. And it's just, it's not like, it's not really a situation where like I said, there's a lot of candidates that are jumping off the page anyway that have NFL experience. So like I said, that, that is concerning because there's not a lot of guys outside of the top of the big 10. No one in college. I think you should be looking at right now. I mean, I guess, you know, Lincoln Riley's name was the big, the big hot name for a long time. But he's not leaving USC after one year. I, right. I, I can't see that. I'd happening. be intrigued, but he's not leaving. Oh yeah, 
definitely. I, I I would throw him on there. I just can't see him go special with Caleb Williams coming back. Uh, right. It would be a, a really bad move by him uh, to leave USC Jerry right Jones now. felt like what? Gave him a blank check for like a few years of the Cowboys trying to court yeah. him over there, and it never, yep. never worked. So I don't think it's going to work now. Uh, the other one, you know, there's NFL connections there, but you want to talk about like checkered past and, in 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 you know, really is Lane Kiffin. Um, you know, I don't know. He's, he's done well at Mississippi, but he does have NFL experience. Uh, but you know, I, I don't know. That would be a really, I'd like to see Twitter would be a lot of fun with, with that. Oh, move. That our jobs, I think would be the easiest job in the world, George, because Lane would mm -hmm. give us something every single day to react to, to talk about. It would be a fun two years, three years. Like he's what, he's what in Oakland for one year. So maybe yeah. he learned a little bit and it'll double his time, but that does he I think he found where he belongs in the SEC, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. Holy cow. So Jim Mercer had a little fuel to the fire here talking about college coaches, not college coach, college coaches and some unnamed, unknown coaches. Is there outside of Andrew Luck? Is there anyone else that's unknown that we could actually be like discussing here? Phil Rivers. I mean, that's the only other name that that comes to mind. I think of it is you can literally just go through that the Colts roster, you know, since '95 when when Ursay became the owner and and pick a name. You know, I mean, Pierre Garcon. He's an unknown coach, right? I mean, I don't know. It's 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 strange. Uh, that that one to me really stood out because it makes you wonder what he might be planning. Who who might he be looking at? Was it the Browns were? We're rumored to have Condoleezza Rice on their, yeah. their list. You know, uh, is it something like that? I don't know. You know, is there an army general out there he's got his eye on? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Ken Neal that, Montalolo was just like, go by Navy. You want to go to the triple option? I kind of do, honestly. <laughs> I, I, I still think that's Ellinger's best pro offense in my mind. You, you come in there, run the triple option, uh, bring in Coach Ken from Navy. Why not? I'm down with that. You have Jonathan Taylor. You probably need at least one fullback, maybe, you know, a few wingbacks. You got Michael Foon Jr. So you can get rid of the other receivers. You could re-sign Paris Campbell. He was running back in high school. He could probably run the wing tee. There, there we go. Let it go that way. And off you go. Right. Draft another running back. at like pick seven. B. John Robinson from Texas. Just go all in on running backs and offensive linemen. And let's roll. Yeah, Blake Corum's a horseshoe guy, right? I mean, That's he was true. giving Thanksgiving dinners out. I mean, he's, he's a horseshoe guy. Just make it all work. There we go. The trip there. There's the unknown coach, folks. Ken Neil Montalolo. We're going back to the triple option. He's coming from Navy right to Indy. <laughs> oh, this will be. This is going to be an interesting few weeks here, George. We got one month to go before the chaos starts. But boy, oh boy, it's going to be fun. We just fixed the 2023 Colts right there. It's done. It works <laughs> over. Quarterback. We found the quarterback. There's Sam Ellinger. You found mm -hmm. the head coach. You found. Uh, we're playing to their strengths. Maybe George should be okay. the next head coach or the GM. There you go. I, I, I say before, and I'll say it again, I'm ready to cast checks. I want to be one of those like CEO head coaches that I'll just delegate, do no work, none whatsoever. If, if, if they win, I'll take all the credit. If they lose, I'll blame all my assistants and I'll just cast checks. That's, that's my, that's my philosophy. That's my vision for the future. Just work on that bonus. Make sure that it's all guaranteed and you are good to go. Mm -hmm. So, Jim, if you want an unknown candidate, George is throwing his, his – George, we're on video. George is now wearing a hat right now because his hat is officially in the ring. That's right. It's it's officially <laughs> in the ring, and I'm right. that's my vision for the future right there. I'll take all the credit, none of the blame, and I'll cash the checks. Mr. Ursa, I'm ready to do it. I'm ready. 
You know from what you're getting. There's no mystery there with, with George Bremer as the next head coach of the Colts. That is for sure. All right. So it's been a lot of offseason talk with quarterbacks and head coaches, but we do have a game on Saturday. Saturday. Set your alarms. Get get ready. Don't miss this primetime or, or standalone game. One o'clock Colts Vikings. We'll give you a quick breakdown from the Blue Horseshoe Pod. Goes return. And welcome back into the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Reinecke and George Bremer here with you. It is game week, George. An earlier game this week, a Saturday, 1 o'clock Eastern game. Colts traveling up to Chile, Minnesota to take on the Vikings here. This is a game, George. It's not going to go exactly with the Cowboys game because I don't think they'll give up 33 points in the fourth quarter for the second week in a row or second game in a row. I do think this is going to play out in a similar fashion where I think they'll keep it close for like three quarters. This is a team that's just not going to get blown out at this point. I don't think they're going to lie down. But also, at the same time, I can't say to trust them to find a way to win the game, in which they haven't really done so at any point this season. I think they'll lose. But I think for three quarters, if you're a Vikings fan, you'll be sweating it out. And a Colts yeah, I mean, fan, too, because they don't want them to No one wants them to win. So you'll be sweating that out as yeah. well. Yeah, I think the Vikings and Colts fan interest here is, is the same way. Both yeah. of them are pulling for the same team on Saturday. Uh, Nation blessed again with the Colts. So I'm sure the football fans across the country are going to really enjoy that third straight week. And they get one more uh, late Christmas present on the 26th uh, on Monday Night Football. So, you know, hey, soak it up. Soak it in, U.S., watching watching this Indianapolis you know Colts what, football George? team. Really quickly, why not just flex Colts Texans week 18? Just to put it at Sunday night. Come on. There's no better way to end the season than with the worst matchup of the weekend. Let's just do it. Hey, the way things are headed, that might be Tennessee and Jacksonville. That might be for the division title. <laughs> Maybe an AFC South battle on Sunday night football. Uh, but uh, the, the the number that really strikes me about Minnesota, it's it's so odd that that you almost have to triple check it. They're 10 and three, but they've been outscored by one point in the aggregate score this year, which is first time in NFL history that's ever happened that a 10 win team has been outscored. Uh, and I think it's, it goes to show you they play a lot of close games. Uh, and when they lose, they tend to lose a little bit lopsidedly. They, they have their own kind of game they'd like to forget down there in Dallas. I think they lost 40 to three mm -hmm. uh, about a month ago. Um, so I think there's, I don't know if it's as lopsided on paper as the Dallas game was going in. Uh, I think this, the, the, it, to me, it's more like a Pittsburgh game, not that the Vikings and Steelers are similar, but in the sense that where Minnesota struggled the most right now is defense five straight games. They've given up over 400 yards. That's a franchise record. They'd rather not have, but I, much like going into the Pittsburgh game, I don't know the Colts can take advantage of it. Like where the, the Vikings are struggling is also an area where the Colts are struggling. So, uh, that's why I compare it to Pittsburgh. Same way then. Their pass defense was really, really bad, and the Colts weren't able to take advantage of it. That game ended 24-17 to in favor of the Steelers. I'll go the same way again, 24-17 Minnesota on Saturday. That's a great point. That's definitely the better comparison because you're right. That was a game where I am definitely predicted this, that this would be the most comfortable Colts win of the season. I think they would. I said it would my double digits or two scores because you're right. They should have – on paper, being good enough to take advantage of a bad defense. And you mentioned before that the, the Vikings giving up five straight games of 400-plus total yards, and they're on the season. They're somehow 10-3, and three, George. Their total defense, they are dead last in the NFL, giving up over 400 yards per game on average. They are dead last in pass defense in the NFL, and they're 25th in scoring defense. Their defense is, is one of, if not the worst defense in the NFL – and still some other sitting there 10 and 3. They're 9 and 0 in one score game. So to their credit, they've been able to, to close out. But also at the same time, I think that has to go the other way at some point. But you're right. It's not going to be this week. 
because after the, the Pittsburgh game, like that should win the game, the Colts won and take care of business against an opponent that you are just, I thought, better than. You're better than the Steelers. Offensively, you're better than them. Defensively, you're better than them. Colts could take advantage, and they're down, was it 17-3, right? At one point in that game, it was just all, it was looking awful before they eventually couldn't figure it out and couldn't kind of, they couldn't put the game away. So it's like, I can't sit here and tell you that they're going to win. They On paper, maybe this was a month ago, two months ago, they should have won this game. But I'm with you. I will say 24-19. So I think there would be a little bit of a wonky score there, but I'm with you. I think the Vikings cover. It's a four-point spread, but it's going to be a game where I think both sides are going to be sweating. The Vikings are going to be sweating because it's going to be a close game against a bad team. Again, the Colts' best interest is to lose the next four games. You don't want to win. I'll say this. I'll be sitting on my couch Saturday afternoon rooting for a loss. And when it's a close game like that, you can't feel great about, you know, the Colts. So they've done it this year. They've pulled out games at the end. It's not like they haven't been clutched. They have done it plenty of times. Um, every single game has been a one score. You know, every single win has been a one score win uh, down to the wire. So I think it'll be another close game. Uh, but yeah, I like the, the Pittsburgh, I think, analogy is perfect because you're right. It's a team that on paper you should take advantage of that matches up well and that offense you or that defense you should be able to exploit. But also, you know, Matt Ryan's getting a turnover. You know that, right. you know, a few, a uh, bare minimum, two turnovers are going to come out of whether it's Matt Ryan's hands, Jonathan Taylor with the fumble. The Vikings are a pretty good team starting to take the ball away. They're one of the best turnover differentials in the NFL. Um, yep. So you have a feeling that turnovers again, I think we'll be sitting here Saturday afternoon talking about, well, again, they should have won, but turnover differential, you know, three to one, two, nothing. That's what loses you the game. That's how I feel. We can already do the post game pod now before the game is played. Oh, like yeah. That's what we're talking about. Another close game, close loss, turnovers are the difference. Couple big turnovers and a couple big plays from Justin Jefferson. That's going to be the difference in this game. Jefferson's going to make some big play late uh, and get a score that either clinches it or puts the Vikings ahead. And the Colts are going to turn the ball over at least twice. Uh, that's what they do. I mean, that's the easiest prediction. That's right there with with picking them to lose in Jacksonville. Like it's going to happen. You know it. Um, and I in the game sets up perfectly for that. You know, it'll be a close game. All the way through, and like you said, this Minnesota team takes the ball away. The Colts love to give it away somewhere in the fourth quarter, a key turnover somewhere in the fourth quarter, a big pass play to Justin Jefferson. That's going to be the difference in this one. Let me ask you this if you were Gus Bradley, how many guys you're putting on Justin Jefferson? 10? I mean, I, I was going like, to say at least five. <laughs> I would do it. I mean, honestly, well, what else you got to lose? I, I definitely I think this is a game where you're dropping eight, right? Most of the day. And and you're definitely double covering him. Uh I know that they like to sometimes put Gilmore on that guy and, and then double team the other guy and, and see how it goes. I don't know that that I don't know that's the week to do this. I don't think Justin Jefferson can be guarded by just one other human. I don't think that's possible. You could put Gilmore on Justin Jefferson and then take two other guys and put them over the top of Gilmore, and then there mm-hmm. you go. It's three on one. You should be able to win that, but and you look at last week, 11 catches for Justin Jefferson, 223 yards of franchise record. I, and they somehow lost the game because right, the Vikings have, again, have their defense is so bad. But also, here's, here's another question for you. Is this the week? Maybe you split Quentin Nelson out as a you know slot and tackle, tackle eligible. We saw Panay Sewell last week you know, catch the, the big third down conversion. I hope if, if you are uh, Parks Frazier, you're taking note and say, this is, screw it, this is the week we're just going to bust it all out and – Maybe Bernard Ryman will get himself a little 10-yard screen. I'm still rooting. Look, last four weeks, the one thing I want to see, Grover Stewart at fullback, down <laughs> in the goal line, get him a carry. I want a Grover Stewart rushing touchdown. That's all I want from the last four weeks. Nothing else. And then we can get the cake stand celebration for real. And it won't be, you know, <laughs> Quinn Nelson, but he'll be up there. Ryan Kelly, lift him up and get Grover Stewart, give him a little cake stand. 
do the little kitchen sink buffalo wings <laughs> celebration. I mean, come on. Like, this is it's 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 due, right? I mean, Colts fans deserve a Grover Stewart touchdown. That is true, especially with nothing else to root for. I'm with you. And maybe if you're truly crafty here, put in the playbook. If you're Grover Stewart, make a few wings this week and do a Joe Horn. Put it underneath the pylon and if you score a touchdown, go there, grab the wing, and start eating it. That that's that's all you have to live for now if you're if you're the Colts, right? What else are you playing for? That would be one of the most epic <laughs> moments. It would be the most epic moment in this season for sure. Without a doubt. Holy smokes. A Grover Stewart touchdown followed by a celebration of eating his own wings <laughs> underneath the pylon. Sign me up, George. Let's we have found what to watch for. <laughs> That is. Reason to watch this game if you're just so checked out by this four eight and one season that is for sure well it will hopefully that's what we got to root for george will be i think a close game either way colts will probably find a way to lose it but at least they will not get embarrassed they shouldn't get embarrassed on another national stage in front of the whole world to see so they won't be a, a total laughing stock i guess uh and that's again well well we say that now things never go to plan this season so watch they're gonna lose 45 nothing then it's then the whole world is falling. So watch that happen. There you go, Colts fans. I guarantee it a blood loss right there. But it'll be interesting. We will be back on Saturday night. That's right. We will, we will be here uh, with another post-game reaction uh, to Colts Vikings. Fingers crossed. We're talking about a 4-9-1 Colts team after that game. So make sure you check us out between now and then. Follow George on Twitter at GM Bremer. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryan underscore Hickey number three. As always, make sure you're following the show. Wherever you do get your podcasts, make sure you're downloading. Make sure you're subscribing to the Blue Horseshoe Pod. Because if you heard today, if you like today, we got a whole lot of draft talk, whole lot of head coach speculation. If you have a head coach that is unknown that we didn't mention, we'd love to hear it. So let us know on Twitter. Let us know in the review section uh, as well, wherever you get your pods. Who could the unknown coach Jim Mercer is talking about? We have we have Andrew Luck out there. We have Philip Rivers, which is a good one, George. We're open for suggestions. Maybe you just hire the whole 2006 team. Get Marvin Harrison, coach receivers. Hey, man, coach quarterbacks, Jeff Saturday at the line. Hey, Robert Mathis, defensive line. Like, just run it back. What the hell? Why not? Why not? Why? Can we throw Ted Lasso's name into the, into the mix yes. here? Yes. He's an yes. unknown coach. Jim Mercer, he's not afraid to go out on a limb. That would be – that would be – You want to talk I, about I, a head coach who's, who has no fear, Ted Lasso. And I don't think we can rule any coach out. With Jeff Saturday getting hired, we cannot sit here and laugh and say, no way Ted Lasso is going to get hired. Even if he's a fictional character, he's in the mix. He'll probably be getting a, an interview for sure. So let us know your unknown coach uh, for the Colts for 2023. We love to hear the, the ones, and we'll read them out loud on the next podcast for sure. But enjoy the game on Saturday. We'll talk to you on Saturday night right here on the Blue Horseshoe Pod.